This is Keeping Connected, a special series produced through the Connected Nation podcast. In this series, we talk with leaders working to secure the broadband and digital futures of our communities. Specifically, we talk with individuals who serve in varying public or private capacities, working to ensure our communities are keeping connected. I'm your host, Wes Kerr. Today's guest is Christopher Jackson, the State Assistant Administrator, Chief of Staff, for the Policy and Planning Administration of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. In his role, Chris assists in efforts to address health disparities, the social detriments of health and systemic racism, supports advancements in health information technologies, and collaborates on a variety of strategic initiatives across MDHHS. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Chris has played a pivotal role in a variety of capacities, including managing statewide support hotline efforts, assisting in the staffing of field hospitals, overseeing response-related technology development, and supporting the governor-appointed coronavirus task force on racial disparities. Chris holds his Juris Doctorate from Michigan State University College of Law, Master of Public Affairs with a focus on nonprofit management and policy analysis from Indiana University's O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and International Relations from the University of Indianapolis. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Wes. I'm really glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's uh, we're excited to, to get to know you a little bit better. And as is becoming custom, uh, you know, I ask a question that kind of gets us gets us going and talking a little bit. And so um, I noticed when I was reviewing some of the information I've been provided uh, related to your bio uh, that it says that you stay pretty busy uh, in your off time. I'm not sure how much off time you're getting with all that you're uh, involved with and responsible for. But, uh, you know, what are those kind of, what, what kinds of things are you involved with? What would we find you doing um, in your free time? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's been a busy year, 2020, I think for everybody across the board and especially at DHHS as we kind of tackle the challenges of uh, the COVID pandemic. And so, uh, you know, the free time that I have, you know, uh, I really try to be involved in the community in lots of different ways. Uh, so I serve on a variety of nonprofit boards here in the Lansing area. Um, and so I actually uh, chair of a educational nonprofit board, um, also chair of the alumni association at MSU law. Uh, so those both keep me busy. Um, I'm also an elected representative on the state bar of Michigan's representative assembly, uh, which is its legislative body. Uh, so those three things take up a lot of time. Um, also been involved in some other government boards here in Ingham County as well, which is where Lansing's located. Um, and I, I, I've since uh, stepped away from those with a lot of the time constraints that I have. Um, and so lots of different things I do there. Um, but you know, in my free time, I really, uh, you know, try to enjoy some time with my, uh, two sons. Um, they're a handful and the, you know, they're also facing 2020 head on. And so they've been doing a great job of that, but, uh, definitely like to do that. Um, you know, in pre pandemic times, uh, hockey was a big thing as well. <laughs> um, had two, uh, two hockey teams that I, uh, captained here in Lansing, um, playing with a variety of individuals, um, across the, the city and area. So, um, definitely miss hitting the ice, um, but looking forward to getting back on the ice after the pandemic. And yeah, that's fun, hey, Chris. Just, just you, you briefly mentioned the uh, educational nonprofit that you chair. Would you care to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, EC three Educational Child Care Center is um, <clears throat> a uh, child care center here in Lansing area. In pre pandemic times, we actually had two locations. Um, right now, we only have one open. Um, given the constraints of the pandemic. Um, so I've been involved with that for quite a few years. Uh, both my sons go there. Um, one is in preschool, uh, one is a toddler. 
And so uh, it's really near and dear to my heart uh, to be able to provide quality education as a starting point for individuals, or I should say for kids, um, before they move on to the K through 12 system. And so I'm really proud of a lot of the stuff that we get to do um, through EC3 um, and making a positive impact in the community. Um, I've been in the chair of the board there for two and a half years now, I think. Um, and so it's uh, been a roller coaster journey uh, within 2020, but it's really, uh, I think, makes a really uh, positive impact on the community. And so I really appreciate the time I can put into that. That's absolutely wonderful when you consider uh, the importance of education and, and all that education is kind of being faced with right now, um, having individuals that are focused on, you know, providing the best education that our, our children can have is, is so key. And so we appreciate that. Let's get into today's conversation. How important is it to you to have uh, quality access to broadband and technology? I think it's incredibly important um, and it, it impacts so many different sectors of life nowadays, especially in 2020, but, you know, even before that. So whether it's, you know, direct delivery of healthcare services through things like telehealth services or things like education, as we just talked about, um, especially in the remote environments that many of our students are finding themselves across the nation and, and the planet in, um, I think those are two vital um, components when it comes to broadband. You know, even in my previous life, I also worked in legal services um, for a social service uh, organization. And so a lot of what we did was all done remotely. And so typically that used to be the phone, uh, but now it's very much moved to things like broadband access and being able to provide resources via the internet. And so I think it's really vital. Um, it's vital for economic growth throughout the state and country, especially in rural areas to have quality access to internet. You know, broadband really drives that forward. And, it, you know, it's increasingly a part of discussion on how we can grow the networks that we have and strengthen them especially in urban areas as well, where lower income individuals face hurdles with costs and access. And so I think that's also an important side of the coin. And so, you know, I can't say enough things about how important broadband access really has become um, as part of the 21st century. Yeah. And I think you've hit on this just a little bit. Actually, you've hit on several topics we're going to talk about. uh, But what concerns you the most about inadequate access to broadband and technology? Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, Broadband really opens up uh, a world of possibilities and a world of information. And so for folks that aren't able to access that, I think it's a a real challenge. From the DHHS perspective, uh, lots of our services are provided via the internet. And we do try to accommodate as much as we can via other communications means, whether it's in person or through call centers as well. But broadband really allows us to reach the most folks with this information. And so for those that aren't able to access that, they really are getting left out of services, but also the digital economy, um, so to speak. And so making sure that they're able to access that to have more economic opportunities to be able to, you know, address issues related to poverty and health, I think are, are huge. And so I think there's a lot being missed by the individuals who can't access that information. Um, you know, whether it's job interviews, being able to find job postings, all those different types of things, um, those are all going more and more digital. And so having internet access, especially, um, you know, broadband with high speed, um, I think is really important. Yeah. And, and as, a, as a representative of the state agency, is there a community of people that you feel are at the biggest disadvantage uh, in the digital divide? And, and how do you believe broadband and technology can help neutralize that disadvantage? Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple different um groups of individuals who are really impacted by it. One you hear a lot about is rural populations, especially in Michigan, where we do have such a large area of rural um, communities, especially the Upper Peninsula, <clears throat> or even just, um, you know, the Northern Lower Peninsula are all um, 
going to have issues with broadband access. Uh, many of them are using slower connections via satellite or may even actually be using um, dial-up connections still. And so um, being able to access those in those in those communities is where you're going to have economic growth happen. I don't think you're going to see employers uh, go to areas that don't have access to broadband um, because of their need to be able to link into the infrastructure that's across the country and world. And so I think that's really important to think about for the economic development side. When it comes to urban communities, uh, especially for those that are low income, many folks don't have access to a computer. And so the, many of the things that they're accessing, many of the things they're accessing are through cell phones. And so being able to provide broadband infrastructure that they can then plug into, I think is important. And so, you know, I think the urban communities, um, especially predominantly ones are communities of color um, or those that are low income really do face uh, the digital divide. And that's um, very transparent right now with access for schools. And so I know like the Detroit uh, school system has been providing tablets and hotspots for some students and even just computers instead of tablets um, to increase that access. Um, but I think it, it really makes a, a huge impact um, when you can't expand, expand that broadband access. But I think part of that is also going to be the technology to use it um, because not everything can be done through a cell phone. I think we've all run into that issue at one time or another, uh, trying to use just apps or use a small little browser. And so broadband is really going to be an important component of the backbone of the infrastructure. You make note of that uh, on the device side of things. And, and I think during this past nine, 10 months now, I think we're beginning to see more and more clearly the importance of specific types of devices and the, you know, or, or how those devices are deployed and, and the impact that they individually can have and, and or not have uh, when it comes to providing adequate uh, tools for, for our children and, and just our populations in general. Those are great comments. In your role, what do you believe is the most important thing that you can do to help impact the digital future of those that you serve? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so our administration, policy and planning administration, um, very much acts as cross-functional administration in the department. And so we kind of sit at the intersection of lots of different initiatives going on in the variety of different components of our department. So public health, medical services, all those types of things. And so I think in my role and more broadly with our administration, we, we have a unique opportunity to make an impact when it comes to broadband and thinking about how the interconnection of services is delivered via broadband, what resources are available that we may be able to support broadband access or technology access. Our, the Governor-Appointed Health Information Technology Commission is um, coordinated through our administration, so our team helps facilitate that. And part of what we're doing right now actually is rewriting this, going through the process of rewriting and developing a new uh, strategic statewide roadmap for health information technology. And obviously that implicates broadband access, um, especially for uh, rural communities where providers are or rural hospitals, but also urban uh, communities and urban hospitals as well. And so with that intersection of that work as well, uh, broadband and telehealth services have been a large part of that conversation um, and being able to ensure that that information is there. Obviously, pharmacies are a component of that and what the impact of broadband access has on their ability to understand vaccination records and access vaccination records and things like that, which uh, becomes even more important now with um, the COVID-19 vaccination, especially when most of those, if not all of them, will be two-stage um, vaccination. And so that follow-up is going to be very important in ensuring they have access to documents like that or records like that through MICR, which is our statewide system. So I think there's lots that we can do in my role, and uh, like I said, as our administration, to really make a positive impact on broadband access um, that is really cross-cutting for all of what the department looks to achieve in communities. 
Well, yeah, that that's uh, that brings a new perspective of the the way that the agency that you serve in really can you know have an impact. When you think about you know the average individual, um, the resident in the state, you know what is it that you think they can do to help or to be involved in you know advancing broadband and technology or expanding broadband and technology? Yeah, I mean that that's a, a great question. Um, you know, I know that there are different programs that um, local governments can um, pursue, and so you know, individuals are able to make the biggest impact on their in their local communities and within local government. And so, uh, collaborating with local officials and state officials to figure out ways to propose and encourage broadband adoption and build out into their communities, I think, is a big thing. Um, and so talking with those local communities and seeing where they're able to partner with ISPs um, or even, uh, you know, businesses in their community to encourage that expansion of broadband and adoption of it, I think can be a really big thing. Also advocating with, you know, with school systems as well to encourage that, I think can be a, a great thing to do. I, I think, you know, advocacy is, is the biggest component that they can do, um, whether it's through even talking to their ISPs and encouraging. I know there's lots of um, different ISPs that are doing build outs um, here in, you know, in Lansing area in the Southeast Michigan area, and then even, you know, West and North of Lansing. So I think there's lots that they can build off of, but I think advocacy work is the biggest thing that um, individuals can do on an individual basis. Yeah. And as, as we look to expand and increase broadband and technology availability, adoption and use in our communities, is there is there any advice you'd give to others, um, you know, whether that be your peers and other agencies or, or just, you know, local leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for something like broadband and since it is such a cross cutting impact on culture, on industry, on, um, you know, commercial life, education, as we've talked about, I think looking at innovative ways to understand the problem but also who are the stakeholders and who have this power to make a solution, I think is, is really big because something for me, at least something like broadband access um, can't just reside in one agency or one community. It, it's really something that has to be advocated across the board. And so collaborations, I think, are really important, um, like the task force that's going on right now to really make a positive impact because there's lots of funding sources available um, and they're each unique and the needs and solutions that they're trying to implement are unique. And so being able to bridge the gap or divide between those different funding sources can really make a cohesive strategy that can make a a much more positive impact than they can just do on an individual basis. And Chris, as we look to kind of wrap up this morning, you know, is there any, anything that we didn't touch on that you would still like to to mention or um, that we, you think we is important for, for the listener to hear today? Yeah, I mean, I think from the one perspective I would always share is specifically when it comes to telehealth services, um, they've been expanding in popularity in 2020 and have allowed for access to be increased in many ways. Uh, But I think a lot of people just think it's a phone call with the doctor. And so I think, um, you know, I would encourage folks when they have an opportunity to, especially with us entering the winter season, and there's still needing to be, you know, checkups and things like that being done with your doctor's. I would encourage you to look at telehealth solutions that may be supported by your provider and your insurance provider, because that can really help alleviate some of the burden, but also allow you to stay at home safely, um, which helps obviously drive down cases of COVID in our communities and reduce spread. And so I think I would encourage all the listeners to really give telehealth a second look, uh, because I think it's really made some huge strides, um, both in the past few years, but especially this year, can really make a positive impact on healthcare delivery. Yeah, it's it's easy for us to, I think, take for granted uh, what 
what the telehealth advancements have been and, and really the implementation of telehealth over the past nine months, you know, things that, that weren't allowed prior to, to the COVID-19 uh, timeframe, you know, how, how well those work. And, uh, you know, my family can attest to that. I have, I have a telehealth visit with uh, my, my daughter specialist this afternoon, you know, and it makes it so much easier to, to make it so that she can do that, that she doesn't miss school, that we're not missing work, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And so the health benefits are, are obvious, but, uh, you know, it goes so much further uh, from, you know, just the health benefit. There's, you know, a, honestly, an economic benefit as well. And so it's, it's neat to see the advancements there. Definitely. Chris, thank you again for joining us today. And thanks for all you're doing to help secure a digital future for Michiganders. Today's guest has been the State Assistant Administrator for the Policy and Planning Administration at MDHHS, Christopher Jackson. I'm Wes Kerr. Thanks for listening to Keeping Connected. If you like the show and want to know more about our nonprofit, head to connectednation.org and look for the latest episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, or Spotify.